Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 33. All right, you're back in the DFSR. It's an NBA podcast Thursday, February 7th. I'm Doug Norrie. That is James Davis. Trade deadline day, baby. Oh, Today's yeah. Cra- it's going to be crazy. I, like, I, we're going to get into the picks here it's in already a second. Crazy. I know, but this, this, these two days. I mean, it really kind of started Tuesday, but Wednesday and Thursday, at least this week, and the, the two days leading up to the trade deadline, and then really the Friday after the trade deadline, or whatever the day, whatever the next day is, I think it's been a Wednesday before too, are usually just the craziest DFS days because sometimes like it feels like a quarter of the league just switches teams. You try to figure out like figure out who's playing who and who's able to report to their team last night. Like, like I was wondering last night. I have a lot. To, I feel like I'm going to talk a lot about this, but like. Shumper gets traded to the Rockets. Why didn't he just play for the Rockets? Like they were in there, they played the Kings. Like why didn't he just walk across? Like why didn't he go, just walk across the locker room and just like throw on throw on his Rockets gear? I guess like it's approved. They don't these have things. a jersey with his name on it and stuff. He's gonna have to wear like you know just one of the the, the other traded guys' jerseys. There have been a suspicious amount of guys traded to the teams they like were just in the city for. Like there were Knicks and the Dallas guys. Uh, they get the trade the day after, like really kind of the night or no, the morning after. They played each other. The Rockets and Kings played each other. There was another one too. There's like all this crazy stuff. I'm not, I'm what not feels gonna be suspicious to... about that to you? Out of curiosity, maybe it's just easier to do it when you're just in the same proximity with somebody. But the uh, I mean, these guys so... have telephones, right? Like I think they're probably just going to try and get the best guys on their team rather than trade with the team that happens to be in their Cra- city. But... Yeah, that's true. Crazy team movie yesterday. Wrong. Jabari Parker and Portis go to the uh, Wizards. Mar- uh, Otto Porter. Get shipped off to the Bulls. Markeith Morris is now going to be a Pelican, though he's still hurt. The Bulls sent some real pieces back to the Wizards too, by the way. Don't even mention who they. Well, I mentioned Portis. Off. Yeah, Portis and Park. I like that. You know, at least they'll at least be interesting. They'll be that, those are real players. I mean, yeah, they're real players. I, I don't know what you do with that. You, you maybe make the playoffs in the East. Like, I'm not really sure what Washington. No, I don't know if you'd actually do anything with it, but for DFS purposes, oh yeah, those yeah, are yeah, two no, guys right. that have been you know 100 starts type guys, um, you know, in the right situation. So. Those guys, I'm trying to like. Uh, there's like, like I mentioned the Shumpert one. The big one though is the no trade. The, um, we'll get into the slate here in a second. But the the news comes out yesterday that basically the Pelicans, and it's been all but confirmed, really. Like multiple sources said this, the Pelicans were basically just effing around with the Lakers, n- never intended to trade anybody, but saw the Davis move, <laughs> the preemptive Davis move to like get traded as basically tampering um, on the part of. Uh, LeBron James and Clutch Sports and all the and Rich Paul the, the Lakers GM and basically just opened up trade negotiations, leaked every single offer to the press immediately, um, and in an effort to destabilize the Lakers. <laughs> and it like kind of seemed like it worked. I, I, I just don't. The Lakers are a total mess now. They get a crowd chanting that their LeBron wants to trade you to Ingram when he's on the foul line. You got Yikes. you got LeBron sitting. They lose by thirty points. The team looks terrible. All the young guys probably hate LeBron. I mean, is this like, is that like some meta level stuff? That you, I've been, it's I think it's awesome in, in a lot of ways. What are your thoughts, real quick? And I have one more thought about LeBron, and then we can move on. Well, I think so. Here's my general take on it. 
I think the players, I think the whole idea of tampering is stupid. I think you should be able to yeah. reach out to players and be like, hey, let's play together. I think, because I think it's one of those things you simply can't police anyway. So why make a rule about it? It just seems yeah. like a completely stupid rule. It's the type of rule that's going to punish the people that want to do the right thing and never stop people who want to do the wrong thing. So mm-hmm. I think it's a dumb rule. I think they should get rid of it. That being said, I love that if people do it, that you can use that you can use similar dirty pool tactics right back at them. I, I love the idea of like trying to <laughs> to negotiate a trade just so you can bait the other team and like embarrass them in the media. I think that's why not just use every tool at your disposal to, you know, go against your competition. And if they want to go after one of your star players, do something back to them. Don't sit and whine. Ah, they broke the tampering rules. Like just do something else. And I, I think this is a, a good way to man up, as it will. I love, it. I love it. I, yeah, I, like, I, I, I thought, and I always thought, like my personal opinion was, those Lakers packages were pretty garbagey anyway. Like I would never, I would just wait sure. on Davis, well, especially I, those like, early packages. Those were offensive anyway. Why, why not leak them to the media? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, and like I just wouldn't, I wouldn't. All those Laker guys, almost to a man, I think are overrated. But the, and I think if they played on anyone else but the Lakers, they would not have nearly. You wouldn't be here nearly hearing the hype around like guys like Josh Hart or. Um, or Kuzma, or, or yeah, Kuzma is a good example. Like, Kuzma is like a fine player, but if he played on, you know, like the Pacers, there there, there wouldn't be a lot of excitement about or the Kuzma. Grizzlies or something. Like, right. is he fundamentally different than Jaron Jackson Jr.? Jaron Jackson's probably better. <laughs> like, oh wait, oh god, we got way better. Yeah. I, like, it's like not even close. I don't think. I, like, so um the okay. So anyway, and then I think uh, maybe we'll save this for another podcast. But I do think that this season for the Lakers and like the way this has gone down is going to tarnish. It's it's, it's going to be a little bit of a check against LeBron, I think, when it's all said and done. Like, I think this is, like, not really working out the way he's thought it was going to. It doesn't seem like guys, like, want to play with him maybe in the same way. It's I I, I don't know. I'm a, I'm a huge LeBron lover. Like, I think he's the best ever. But um, I don't know. I think this the way this is going to – and this, there's a real there's a real um, risk here. I think that his, his, like, legacy is going to take a hit here on the back end of this Lakers thing unless really something <laughs> works out for them and they get multiple pieces back. So, anyway, uh, that might be just for another – a podcast for another day. But we have – let's see. We have six games on the slate tonight. We There's a good chance that a lot of what – or maybe at least some of what we say here today will change by noon or by 3 p.m. at the latest. 3 p.m. is the trade deadline. Um, there was a flurry of stuff that happened yesterday, like we mentioned – there are teams here that have pieces to trade uh, that we can that we can mention going forward, and or got, or teams that have already traded some guys. So it's like unclear if they're going to play. We'll try to do our best this morning to wade through some of the news. I'll be in premium chat later on this evening after 3 p.m. and I'll have a better sense at that point of you know kind of where minutes are going to be allocated and what teams look like. But just fair warning that if you're listening to this this morning, uh, Thursday morning, that there's a not insignificant chance. At least a percentage of what we talk about here does change. All right, let's talk about some of these games. The Clippers go in and play the Pacers. Obviously, the Clippers shipped off Tobias Harris and Boban to the Sixers in a pretty big trade on Tuesday. So they're going to be that opens up minutes for Harris. For excuse me, the Harris minutes open up Boban not as much, although he had you know at times would play five to ten minutes off the bench, whatever, and then the occasional everyone freak out kind of start. You kind of looked at this team last night. What? Gallo's questionable. Where did you start allocating some of these Clipper minutes, knowing that um, Mascala and Shamit are not going to be making their uh, debuts tonight? Where, how, how did you kind of attack the Clippers minutes last night? Well, so I gave Harrell a lot of minutes. I think that's yep. a good place to begin. Harrell, at least on FanDuel, saw an instantaneous price bump, just like in response to this trade, I'm pretty sure, because he's Smart by FanDuel. Now. Now he, was yeah. a, now, now, he was kind of around. That's that's not too far from where he was. I think he, he, was, like, I think he was like in the high sixes. I, I nah, he wrong. was like 78. 
He was like well, seventy eight hundred. Considered actually playing him in weeks and weeks because okay, whether he was six seventy eight sixty eight, he's eight thousand now, and that's too expensive probably. Um, I mean, maybe not actually. It's it's probably debatable. Tonight's a small enough slate where at power forward you're probably going to have to make some concessions. If you figure getting Harris out of the lineup makes Harrell just kind of take his minutes, uh, and it's not always a one-to-one thing. They've experimented with Harrell in the starting lineup in the past to kind of mix results, but he's the type of guy that could be an $8,000 player, and I think that's uh, more than you can say for a lot of people. So I think you at least consider Harrell, but I think he's just, I think he's really the primary beneficiary. I think, you know, you can make a case that some of these other guys, like, you know, Gortat sees a marginal increase. Uh, I think you could, you know, kind of, feather out some of Harris's other minutes to less significant pieces on the Clippers team, but they really lack size right now. I mean, without Harris, like at least on FanDuel, it's basically Harrell, Gortat, and Jonathan Motley that even qualify at anything taller than small forward. So, um, and then there's other guys that just like, you know, either never play or, you know, who knows if they're even on the team or in the G League or whatever. I'm not totally sure, but right now, actually, hold on, or... FanDuel, okay, so the Muscala, these guys are out, yeah. Uh, FanDuel doesn't have them listed as out, so I got confused for a second. But, um, yeah, I think they're just undersized. I think tonight's the night that they basically have to just leave the guys on the court who are tall enough to play, and I think that means Harrell sees a lot of minutes. I think you might see a big Gortat game. It's probably more of a big tournament play than anything else. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you see? Like, you know this team as well. Literally, even at small forward, Gallinari is the only guy they have listed at small forward. Then at power forward, it's Harrell and Jonathan Motley, and then at center, it's Gortat and Angel Delgado. So, yeah, I don't uh, mind. Like I, Motley is interesting to me because Motley has seen at times minutes off the bench. I think I think it's fair to. I think not it's recently. Fa- I think. Uh, I mean, at times. I don't. I don't mean like. Um. I don't mean in general. Yeah. I, like with Mike Scott to the world around. I mean shipping off Harris and Mike Scott. Really does open like I, I agree with you. Opens up so many minutes here. I would feel I would feel comfortable playing Harold here. I think he gets traded. I also think Clippers are not one of these teams that's done trading at either. Like there's a good chance Lou Williams like Lou Williams is a huge trade piece. I'd be shocked if he wasn't traded by today. Like I like sure. I think that by 3 p.m. Lou Williams is I would almost guarantee is on a different team. Uh, so that's one that I think we're is going to be another one that's going to be that is going to make things interesting for the guards uh, that we'll have to keep an eye out for. Patrick Beverly is also another trade candidate. These are guys that they're just not. These aren't long-term assets for the for the Clippers at all, and Lou Williams for sure is on like a great contract too. So um, we'll keep an ear out for this one. This is one that I think will end up changing. But I, the guy, as long as he's not traded, I would feel comfortable uh, putting Harrell up there for major minutes and feeling pretty good about it. And then you got the Pacers. Pacers are another one that are in just an impossible situation. Uh, and I hate. I hope that we don't go way long in this because we do have a sort of a hard out in the podcast. But Pacers are. I, like I don't even know what they do. They're in the playoffs here. They're without Old Depot for like a year. Like, I think a year plus. <laughs> um, this is a team yeah. that I wouldn't be shocked if they started trading some guys. They haven't really made any moves right now. I think they're sort of caught in this disaster, no man's land that really you don't want to be an NBA team. Is like good yeah, enough sure. to be in the playoffs, bad enough to lose in the first round easily, and just kind of head home. So thoughts here on the Pacers going back the other way. Uh, I don't see maybe too much movement out of this team, but maybe you see something different. No, I think the Pacers. Like I, I think. They might even want to make a move. I just don't know how that move would take shape for them. And, um, you know, right now we're kind of just left with the guys that we have. And on a night-to-night basis, that hasn't led to a a lot of whole lot of, you know, super exciting DFS plays. I mean, guys like Bojan Bogdanovic are still solid on their prices. Uh, You know, he's been 
Like he's going to play 32 minutes or whatever and probably be around that 30 fantasy point mark, which you'd be happy with if you happen to get there. Should be a solid matchup against what's left of the Clippers here. Um, I think Darren Collison, he's probably like a little bit too expensive now. Um, you know, he was highly owned for a few nights there in solid matchups with like Orlando and New Orleans uh, at that six to 6,500 price tag on FanDuel. And now that he's up to 7,000, that's really a lot. I mean, it's a guy who's averaged 26 fantasy points a game this season, understanding that his role has fluctuated and Oladipo being out matters. And, you know, he's actually running the point now and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, it's definitely not, um, it's far from a lock for me anyway, at that price point. And then, you know, really what, what you really like to do, I think in a perfect world, is think about how the Pacers were going to punish the Clippers down low, given their incredible lack of size. And so I think you, you're going to be looking at guys like Turner and Young, and you're going to be doing that with an understanding that both of these guys are volatile. You know, Turner in particular can play 24 minutes, 22 minutes, or 34 minutes. <laughs> and if you get the higher end of that, he's going to absolutely go off. And if you go lower end of that, you're going to be pretty disappointed. So um, I don't know. I, I, I get the sense that actually it's, it's a night where you could theoretically see a decent amount of Pacers in our optimal lineups, and I'm not sure how exciting that would be uh, just because this team has not been very trustworthy even when they're good. So, Yeah, I, th- I think you're right about the the size piece. I'm like, and going back to that, they could play Gortat a lot of minutes. I guess he matches up okay-ish with, with Miles Turner, but after that, they are going to be they are going to be un- they'll be athletic but undersized. So let's keep moving here through some of these games. Minnesota goes in and plays Orlando. I'll uh, start with the injury news on the Timberwolves to start. Timberwolves are going to be without Jeff Teague, and it looks like Derek Rose. No, excuse me, Derek Rose is definitely out, and it looks like Jeff Teague will also be out. Tyus Jones also still injured, so that's you know three point guards again that are off the table. Um, Jared Bayless was a pretty highly owned guy the other night against a depleted Memphis team was underwhelming. So I, I don't mm-hmm. know if people are going to want to go back there. He shot two for 10 from the field in 37 minutes and basically eight assists, five points. He was, he was a disaster. Um, do you think people go back to the well on Bayless? The minutes are still there for sure. Um, he seems like from a DFS play, we could probably discuss it at 5,700 on FanDuel. He's around the same price. He's a little, no, excuse me, he's a little less expensive on DraftKings. What are your thoughts here on Bayless and then, you know, guys like Towns and Wiggins? Um, is there still value with all these other guards out for the Timberwolves or have they been price corrected too much? Yeah, Bayless, it's funny. I think I mentioned this, I don't remember which game it was for, maybe the Denver game or one of these prior games where basically it's been whoever has been the starting point guard for the Timberwolves has been something like a $5,500 to $6,300 player. And it doesn't matter if it's been Tyus Jones or Teague or Bayless or Derrick Rose. And, you you know, you have, there's a high end in there and a lower end. And Bayless is settling in, I think, comfortably in that kind of Tyus Jones sort of range, right, where uh, 30 fantasy points appears to be the expectation right now. Uh, the minutes are certainly somewhat secure. And what you really like about Bayless is that he's actually running the offense. You know, he's averaged 10 assists over the last three games in some pretty tough matchups. I mean, two Memphis games and a Denver game in there, uh, it's nothing to uh, the, nothing to sneeze at, as they say, you know? So right. I think that taking him in a significantly better matchup against Orlando is totally reasonable here. So, yeah, if you think Bayless is going to be out there, uh, I have Teagless as a game-time decision right now. Um, he's doubtful, I think, is the official tag. If he winds up missing, I think you'll see Bayless as a, a pretty significantly owned cash game play. Yeah, I mean, their last five games have been... Yeah, Memphis, Denver, Memphis, Utah, Utah. That's a pre- that's a terrible, terrible stretch of just between just between pace, defense, combos of both. So um, your volume is just going to be down 
across the board. The fact that he is averaging 14 shots a game in that stretch is pretty encouraging. So getting it going, you know, getting it against the Orlando team tonight um, does strike me as having bounce back territory for Bayless. I kind of guess I feel the same way about Wiggins as well. 6,000 um, Wiggins is just a guy I hate rostering in, in DFS in general, mostly because that's another guy who you're like, this guy's a max. This guy has gets paid max money. Like, what, do he, what does he do? He shoots ten shots a game. Like, doesn't rebound, doesn't assist, <laughs> like doesn't do anything. Like, it's cra- it's crazy. I get why our system likes him at six thousand because the minutes, it's sort of like Bayless are still there. Is there well, just passes the baseline test too. Wiggins has averaged almost exactly thirty fantasy points this season. Now he's six thousand. That's just generally going to be a good value, and you'll see that name pop up in good matchups. I'll tell you what. I haven't played him on any of the nights where he scored more than 30 fantasy points this season. I I'm think I did really bad. It appears as though we hit back-to-back incredible games against Utah, which is just like the ultimate middle finger to all the, the Wiggins <laughs> aficionados out there because nobody played Wiggins against Utah. So he's like, man, I better sneak in my 50 fantasy point game here to bring up my averages. Oh, okay, see, he put up 63 fantasy points against the Thunder earlier this month. He's like, yeah, we just like I just got to make sure I don't do it against for the people that actually you know, try to play me in DFS. So. Yeah, he does it like once just to get the price to kind of creep up to like 7,000 and then you just feel exactly. sick about it and then he dumpsters you with like a 14 fantasy point night. What about the uh, the Orlando side? Not much injury news here. I'm not sure how active they are going to be at the deadline. Um, you know, guys like Vooch has been discussed as trade chips and then I'm not really sure if that's going to be something that bears itself out. Jonathan Simmons questionable. Doesn't, don't think that really matters here. Have we seen enough minutes at this point from, Mag- from Orlando who have been playing pretty much the same rotations the starting five plus Ross plus um, not Bomb. I'm trying. There's one other guy off the bench uh, that gets minutes. But I mean, have we just seen two, have we seen enough minutes steadily enough out of the Magic in the short term that it seems to me like they're just I don't know all again a little too overpriced. Yep, that's my feeling on them exactly. I mean, I was even hesitant to play the Magic in good, in their good matchups recently for that mm-hmm. same reason. And as those matchups get you know tending more towards the middle of the road, uh, like this Minnesota matchup. I get less and less interested. Minnesota, kind of the definition of a league average matchup this season, just across the board playing the 12th fastest pace and the, like the 18th best defensive efficiency. That averages out to 15, which is dead center in the middle of the league. So, yeah, not a not an exciting matchup. So basically, you're only looking for guys that are just generally underpriced, and I don't see any of those here. Um, by the way, I'm just like I am. I am updating Twitter while we're talking here, just because I want to just catch a Woj bomb if it if it were to come through. But I also have one <laughs> trade I forgot to mention last or at the beginning. Of this was when Harrison Barnes just got traded mid game to the Kings. Like he was sitting on the bench when, and they were just like, <laughs> "Don't go back in because you just got traded to Sacramento." Um, which I thought was that was a new one. I hadn't really seen that one either. So that was a, no. Just I don't a, think I've ever seen that one. I didn't yeah. So that. Uh, yeah, it was like in the second quarter or whatever. And they were <laughs> he, he just gets yanked because he got traded. He got traded to the to the Kings for Justin Jackson yeah. and um. Oh, who's the other? Oh, and Zach, and the expiring Zach Randolph contract. So uh, Dallas is actually pretty well positioned here with a lot of money off the books that yeah. to actually go after someone too. Which Dallas by the way, is always pretty well positioned with a lot of money coming off the books. All these, luck. all these moves. Uh, man, I, I didn't want to go back down the trade deadline thing here, but all these moves had to just make the Knicks and like the Celtics, but specifically the Knicks, just like pretty sick to their stomach because all these like actual good teams have opened up have opened up a lot of money for max players like guys teams with actual guys like oh you can go join Doncic and Porzingis as a max guy like that looks pretty inviting or you can go to the Clippers and just be in LA um and all of a sudden like the Knicks are like well we have Madison Square Garden so we'll see how well that works out for us but I don't know like to know like when like where are the shining examples of where the open up a lot of cap space strategy has really worked out that's my that's my big question because if you look at the actual big free agents recently I mean, there was like, okay, so like in Miami, when they got 
LeBron and Chris Bosh. You could argue that that was it, but again, they already had Wade, and again, well, that's what they, that's what you need. You need the other. And they, but the thing right. is, they knew that they were going to get them because of they had tampered it, right? <laughs> like they they weren't like and that like that's why the tampering rule is so stupid because you have teams out there like the Knicks or whoever having to wonder. It actually hurts them that they can't just have this be publicly available knowledge because if it if they didn't have to keep it a secret, everyone would have known that LeBron and Chris Bosh. We're going to go to Miami, like for sure. No one would have had had any doubt, and no one would have bothered trying to clear cap space for those guys, right? So, right. I think that uh, I think it actually winds up hurting these teams because I just think generally, if your plan is yeah, if you can just open up cap space and it's just kind of like something you can do anyway, why not? Cap space is valuable, but it's a terrible strategy generally to be like, especially to be the first ones to make the move, right? Oh, yeah. Where like you, t- it's like. You know, my former poker player comes out here, like the concept of position where if you act first, you give your opponents the advantage, right? Because they can see, okay, this is what these guys have done. Now, what should we do? And I think the trade deadline works exactly the same way. Sometimes if you can snap up an Anthony Davis, you go for it. But if you're like, we're going to open up cap space, no one else has any for next year. And then five other teams get cap space because, you know, they didn't have to stop trading. (laughs) It's like, man, what a what a disaster. I don't know. Anyway, so sorry. That was good. I knew that was going to lead us down a path of just like I like it though. I think the people like it. This is what people are interested in. Does anyone really care about the specific guys you play for DFS tonight? I think everyone's thinking about the trade deadline right now. Which specific guys do you want to play from the Raptors? Speaking of, because <laughs> they, they play they play the Hawks. Um, what a transition, <laughs> though. Wow. <laughs> they Hawks wow. Raptors Raptors go in and play Atlanta. Obviously, Atlanta always represents a fantastic, um, yeah. just a fantastic DFS matchup. One thing I will say, I need to actually double check this. I'm I'm not showing a lot of lines in these games right now, but I wonder if our feed hasn't just updated it which would make sense I, this would be a weird day to start like kind of hammering um just hammering vegas lines with so much out there i'm gonna just gonna double check real quick while we're going here but anyway uh toronto goes in and plays atlanta i i, su- I suspect this is like yeah they have a 121 over under with a nine point with nine point um spread is this a spot where you a do you, do you we can see some raptors just rest here uh they've been no they've been not shy with resting guys in, in games where they think they're are very winnable um the east kind of allows you to do that and two, if they're fully healthy, do we want to play them with maybe some blowout risk? I mean, this is this is a ton of points. 121 points is just a massive number. What are your thoughts here on Toronto? Yeah, so I think Toronto, I mean, Atlanta really is the creme of the creme in terms of matchup stuff. Right. Creme of the creme. I don't That's know what that means, but keep going. Um. <laughs> it means the cream of the cream. In, gotcha. Uh, in okay. English. Got it. <laughs> right. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> the cream so Atlanta, the got it. top top overall pace this season and really like borderline historic pace um you know which again is always hilarious for bad teams i just love that, like the bad teams are just rushing up and down the court uh just trying to do whatever they can but uh top pace overall this season significantly ahead of the second place thunder who so they're 0.9 ahead of the thunder the thunder are uh only 0.3 ahead of the next team and they also play the bottom four defensive efficiency. So this really is the best possible DFS matchup in the 2018-2019 season. And that's going to make the opposing guys playable. That's just kind of how it works. So from Lowry, I think basically there are four guys you can play from Toronto. I don't know in my mind if I have any prioritized right now. But I think Lowry, Leonard, Ibaka, and Siakam are all playable. Um, I guess I would be somewhat cautious with Toronto from the blowout perspective and also the perspective that they haven't been shy about resting guys. In games that they think are in hand, uh, Toronto have been one of the smarter teams this season, and obviously uh, with a 39 and 16 record, they're nowhere near having to worry about really anything as we head into the playoffs. So, yeah, I think you can play them all, and you understand that 
you could wind up getting some minutes weirdness here without too much difficulty. Yeah, uh, I think I pretty much agree. I think that, again, I, um, just to finalize that piece about the rest, I, the, Toronto has been generally pretty good about um, letting us know about this stuff ahead of time when it's just rest-related uh, issues that they will report it. No one is questionable right now, yeah. and they're not on the back-to-back. So um, I, this looks like it's a, a shot to have them be a fully healthy team, but we'll just kind of see as the day goes on. John Collins left the game early last game because of a cut um, on his face. He's going to be back in today. You know, they've kind of concentrated some more minutes around the starters more than they have maybe in the short term they seem to have done that more with Collins Collins specifically is just an excellent he's just an excellent player honestly he's a good chip to have um uh, as just a, as a young guy that can kind of pour in especially can pour in some fantasy points anything you like on the Atlanta side no not really I think Atlanta already a team I'm generally disgusted with and taking them as nine point underdogs against one of the better defensive teams in the league is a full pass for me Okay, moving on. Uh, next game, we have the 8 o'clock games. Memphis goes into OKC. Memphis, another one of these teams that I'd be shocked if they didn't get a move done at the deadline. They sat out Gasol the other night because uh, he was expected to be traded to the Hornets, and then the deal hasn't gone through. That's never a good sign. 24 hours later, uh, well, actually, no, now we're on like 36 hours later, where the guy was, the deal was, you know, so close to being done that they figured they should just sit him out and it's still not done. So I don't know which way that's trending. Conley's also a guy that's been wrapped into a lot of trade rumors. I don't know why Memphis would not trade these guys. Like they almost seem like they have to, even if this sells 50 cents on the dollar, because you just have to go completely into the tank and you can right. get something from both these assets. So I think if it was another, we've been down this road with Memphis before where people have been basically crying, like you have to trade these guys, you have to trade these guys. And they just don't trade the guys. Like, I don't know. If they don't yeah. get enough, or yeah, they're what good players it, and on reasonable deals, like I understand. I mean, Conley's excellent. Yet, Conley's so good. Like Conley would really, I mean. really help a team. People, so. people didn't like the Conley deal at first, if you recall too. Like they felt like he was overpaid, and I think he's he's proven to be worth it. So I understand. Like you have the assets, and you're just waiting for a team to get desperate. But right, it's definitely they've been playing chicken for quite a long time here. Um, so I guess this is one I'm gonna. I think we're just gonna have to take a wait and see approach on Memphis because if they were not, if Conley and Orgasol were to be traded, then that would just flip the entire team because you'd have guys like Shelvin. I mean, Shelvin Mack could get traded too, but the um, you have guys like Shelvin Mack, you have Ivan Rabb who got the start the other night was excellent. Jaron Jackson just finally played a lot more minutes because why the hell not at this point? Like if you're just going to, um, I mean, where do you stand here on the Grizzlies? Is it too early to tell? I mean, do you, would you feel, I guess maybe it's just too early to tell. I, am I missing something here? Or is that kind of just like sum up the Grizzlies? Cause I just like, this is a, this is a team in total flux right now. Yeah, it's a team in total flux. I think there are guys like Justin Holiday who are kind of like generic value plays right now uh, that you can probably consider almost no matter what happens. Uh, Holiday just been chipping in that, playing 39 minutes a game or whatever, and has actually been pretty solid and kind of has an expanding role in the offense right now. And then after that, yeah, you're going to wait and see and get your news. I think the rest of the Grizzlies, if nothing happens for whatever reason, it's going to be tough to roster anyone against OKC in a game where they could get blown out and it's a tough defensive matchup. And if they don't, if they do make moves though, like you'll see, you know, 85% ownership on Sheldon Mack and like, it'll just go the exact opposite way. So yeah, follow your news. Uh, Hopefully we'll get it in advance of that seven o'clock lock. I will say this will be one team. I'll, I'll feel very disappointed if this is the same team at 3 p.m. Eastern time today. I don't know why. I just you feel have that like emo- I, you have that much of an emotional investment in what the Grizzlies do. I mean, relatively speaking, I, like not like <laughs> I would. It was not the same way as like you know if my kid fell down and got hurt, kind of emotional like, kind of <laughs> attachment to it. But um, a, a, different, like, a different, a different. If I'm if I'm like the Aaron Boone home run, you know, when he lost that. Uh, the Yankees Red Sox game and yeah, like that was a, that a friendship was a because one of our time. friends teased you about it. Yeah, oh yeah, that was a uh, that was that was not amazing. Oh, thanks for thanks for drumming that one up. Okay, so uh, the, what, about, what about the Thunder here? Um, still very almost no matter way you sl- which way you slice it with Memphis, they are going to end up being a very slow team. 
but the Thunder 115, uh, 115 point total, 14.5 point favorites, really seems like blowout risk is is Fine. gonna is gonna trump no matter almost no matter what happens here. Quick thoughts on the Thunder, and we can move on to the later games. Yeah, so my quick thoughts on the Thunder are. It, it reminds me of our live stream that we did last night where paying up tonight is really, really difficult. Yep. And that's like the subtext that you don't always realize until you're right in there and actually seeing how the lineups start coming together. But basically, Westbrook and George are the two most expensive players on the slate. And after that, you get Carl Anthony Towns, uh, which you know not an $11,000 player to me. Uh, Kyrie against the Lakers, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a minute. Yep. Seems solid. Um, and then you're like, you know, down in that 10,000 and under range where you get guys like Lillard and Booch and guys like that. And like, I don't know if, if you need to pay up tonight with the trade deadline. One thing that's been happening in spades is value has been opened up. And I think if the value opens up, you're probably going to see at least Russ be a, a cash game, solid play tonight and uh, perhaps George as well. So yeah, I think both of those guys are guys you ought to keep on your radar. I don't think I feel a strong urge to play you know, the other kind of mid-range Thunder guys like Grant and Adams, just because they're they're fine and they have reasonably high floors and good matchups. But Memphis, for whatever's going on there, is still not a great matchup just on the basis of pace alone. Yeah, this is the style of play. It just doesn't lend itself. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't lend itself to <laughs> any really usually, typically what's going to help you out from a fantasy perspective. All right, uh, let's get into a game that I people are going to talk about. And I'm sure the TNT announcers are fully aroused with the, with the thought of being able to talk about <laughs> the Lakers and Boston tonight because so many yeah. subtext going on with this game maybe possibly even more opening up when we get to 8 p.m tonight so they'll have like maybe you know five hours plus to stew on whatever's happening if nothing happens they have a lot to talk about if a lot of stuff happens they have a lot to talk about uh the lakers get completely crushed by the pacers the other night like we said uh at the beginning of the podcast the team is in turmoil lebron has is going to be probably starting to be accused now of ruining another set of young guys or like another set of young guys that just don't really want to play with him um i don't know if that's what comes along with just being like this kind of like great player if you maybe can't have it both ways but um I, I this is another one where who knows I, I I do think at the end of the day the Lakers are gonna have the same team now that they have that they had the other day like they added Reggie Bullock so he's I guess you know, a, a piece um, he actually could play minutes he he's been pretty good for the Pistons this year and does shoot threes pretty well he lines up with Le- what they need he lines up with LeBron in a way like some of these other guys don't right like Ron well, not Ron is a bad example because he's a point guard but um, Ron, Bullock has does have that kind of like LeBron-y subset that he could end up playing I'm not sure if he's available to play tonight and then you have Boston not sure how active they're going to be at the trade deadline because they just might be saving their pieces for the Pelicans they all but told the Pelicans just wait and we'll offer you a huge uh, deal during the summer I don't know how that's not that's tampering true. either by the way like like so like that's Tempering rules are stupid. Yeah, I guess guess that's been like kind of the theme of the podcast. So thoughts on the Lakers here. Um, How worried about blowout are you? Guys like Rondo are showing up. LeBron is just showing up right now at 10-3 on Fandle, which to me seems cheap. And I don't really know. What are your thoughts on the Lakers? You you looked at the situation last night. Yeah, I think I can play Rondo and LeBron. Um, I think both of them are two of the secure guys here. And I think both have their own reasons to want to go all out against the Celtics. And I think there are two players for whom that actually matters. Um, LeBron tends to get the ball as much as he wants, and he'll defer in some games and kind of go off in others. The prices come down. Boston, not a great matchup, but he's going into the garden, playing against Kyrie. There's all this other nonsense in the media. This has all the trappings of a game where LeBron just goes in and just asserts himself. And I think he can actually do that in conjunction with Rondo. So I think um, taking both of those guys seems like a totally reasonable gamble uh understanding that it does feel like something of a gamble uh the lakers are nine point dogs here and probably for good reason and the rest of the team looks like a complete and utter mess but really i'm just trying to ask myself 
can these guys do enough to keep it close? And if not, I still feel like they're going to go down swinging. So I think, you know, it's a, it's a pretty modest slate that we've already talked about. A lot of you know, relatively unexciting teams and unexciting matchups. And we've talked about how there's a lack of payoff options. So I think taking all those factors together, I wouldn't be totally opposed to playing some Lakers tonight. Yeah, uh, I think that I think LeBron at least on FanDuel is just cheap enough that I'm not even just I'm not even all oh, that worried about it. Yeah, like yeah. he's at, at close to ten thousand, at a guy that could hit close to thirty eight to thirty nine minutes if the game stays close. Uh, Lakers still with all the incentive in the world to keep winning here to to, to make the playoffs. So um, I don't think I don't think LeBron at ten three is even a risk personally. Uh, and I and I get that they're playing Boston. Uh, what about the Boston side of this? Um, they I don't think again they're going to be active at the trade deadline. What we will see, Kyrie is back after sitting last game. They're still without Baines. Um, you know, a lot of the value seems that for Boston seems to come when other guys, specifically Kyrie, rest or are injured, and they look like to be fully healthy tonight. But again, had a great matchup here against the Lakers, and they have a pretty nice total. Could you see yourself just rostering like Kyrie in this matchup? Yeah, I think Kyrie in particular is a guy that you'll see really high ownership on tonight. I think he gets some of that narrative piece uh, going the other way, going up against LeBron, especially after like their famous phone call where. Uh, Kyrie apologized because he didn't understand what it meant to be the man or whatever. Uh, Kyrie's been really solid recently. I think he's a guy that you don't totally want to look at the season averages and kind of apply them across the board. Uh, Obviously, something has changed, particularly in the assist department recently. Uh, Seven assists per game on this season, but we saw the 18th assist game against Toronto. Uh, Three other double-digit assist games since then. And uh, he really, like, the seven assists seems like the floor right now uh, rather than the average. So I like Kyrie. Uh, The Lakers, for all their flaws still playing a top three pace in the league this season and doing so with a kind of a middling defensive efficiency. So uh, take all that together. I, th- I do think Kyrie is a solid option, even in light of the blowout risk. I guess I'm interested in your opinion on what to do with the rest of the Celtics, because you certainly have that. It has all that tragedy, the common sort of feel to it, right? Yep. Where like, you just kind of don't know who's going to get the shooting guard minutes on any given night. Likewise, at power forward with Tatum and Morris, uh, and that leads me to not want to play them, except they're also cheap. And some of these guys are at kind of rough positions. Like, you know, Morris in particular has been kind of a lock for 25 fantasy points a game recently. And I just don't know if I trust it. What are your thoughts on guys like him? I feel actually pretty comfortable with Morris in this matchup, his minutes, because he's a guy like that's just kind of like specifically not made, but he's a guy that can just guard LeBron, right? So like, um, and they've they've been not right. they've said that in the past. Like Morris is a guy that matches up at least from a size and sort of just physicality piece. Um, he's just made to kind of be out there, and he's one of the guys that can sort of reasonably speed bump LeBron in a way some other guys can't. So actually, the the Morris minutes. This would be a game where I'd feel a little more comfortable going, being bullish on the minutes, especially considering that he's at a position on FanDuel where I don't know, it's just it's just tough to roster a guy. Um, and I don't think and he has to. You got some reasonable game. options tonight, though. You got Harrow, you got the Toronto guys against Atlanta. Like there are options here for sure. Um, and he's and he more strikes me as one of them. So I guess I would say Kyrie's. A, I think Kyrie's a, a good option tonight. And I would put from a DFS and price perspective, put Morris right below them, right below him, and the rest of the guys. For where they are priced, especially coming off that Kyrie missed game, I'm not all that interested. Like Morris didn't suffer that because he sat out last game. Like he wasn't there for the extra usage mm-hmm. that kind of went around um, when Kyrie sat because uh, he was out. He was out as well. So I, th- I would say Kyrie, Marcus Morris, and that is basically it. I didn't mention the the injury news by the way. Uh, all the all the Lakers guys except for Joshua Hart are Josh Hart are probable. Kuzma, um, uh, Zubak, all these guys are, are 
probable to play. Uh, and then I, like I did mention that Baines is sitting out. All right, final final game here. Spurs go in and play Portland. Spurs in the second half of the back-to-back where they just took the loss last night against Golden State by resting DeRozan and resting Aldridge. Uh, both of those guys should be back tonight. Um, where do we land with guys like this? I, you know, When they all come back, the minutes on the cheaper guys tend to disappear. Portland is not a good matchup from a DFS perspective. Spurs going the other way are not a good matchup. And the only other note really is that Rodney Hood, uh, who was traded from the Cavs, is uh, is going to play tonight. I don't really know where he lines up. He definitely, almost definitely won't be starting. Any final thoughts here on the Spurs and the Trailblazers? It's not looking like a too relevant game for DFS purposes right now. I think on neither FanDuel nor DraftKings are any players from this these games coming in like the top 20 right. overall optimal lineups for us. So uh, that's an indicator that our system is not over the moon here. Uh, certainly, this is a game where if it stays close, you know, these teams have kind of known guys that can produce. The 228 total is actually the second highest total on the slate. So, um, you know, there ought to be something you could sink your teeth into here. And again, from a, you know, high level big tournament perspective or something, it's probably not one you want to ignore completely. But yeah, for cash games, I think there's going to be enough value among these like unstable teams that uh, we probably don't need to settle in. Mostly, and mostly the issue is that, you know, both the good players, good players on good teams tend to play consistent minutes and tend to be consistently priced. And unless you're one of the top guys, you know, who's like a, the 11th, that 11 to $12,000 players, we tend not to see a lot of those guys showing up in optimal lineups. Yeah, I think that pretty well sums it up for me. Uh, you could Thanks. see, you could see. I don't, I don't really see either of these teams being huge just buyers or sellers at the deadline here, but um, famous last words and all. We'll be back again tomorrow, breaking down Friday's slate of games and also dealing with the fallout from the trade deadline, which I'm sure will be uh, rich with content. So we'll kind of have a better lay of the land tomorrow when we get on the podcast. DFSR.com slash NBA. We'll get you a free trial to our premium membership and subscription package. Go over there for optimal lineups, FanDuel, DraftKings, and Yahoo NBA. Uh, NHL optimal lineups for DraftKings and FanDuel premium chat. It's all covered under one subscription package. So go check out. You can even take a free trial of it. So you can go test it out on your own. DFSR.com slash NBA. Buddy, enjoy the fr- the frenetic uh I guess the frenetic, I guess that's the word, the energy leading up into the trade deadline and then the uh, big breath out and then figuring out the minutes for tomorrow. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Uh, (laughs) Enjoy your night in the NBA. Thanks, man. Peace. Hi, I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans. 30% of Americans who are planning home improvements of $5,000 or more will pay for those renovations with a high-interest credit card. That may not be a great idea. A better idea may be to take cash out of your home with a Quicken Loans 30-year fixed-rate mortgage. The rate today on our 30-year fixed-rate mortgage is 3.99%, APR 4.08%. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Rate subject to change. Pay 1.25% fee to receive this discounted rate. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. License in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. The Starlight Lounge presents An Evening with the Progressive Box. Yeah. That's Hugo tickling the ivories. He just saved by bundling home and auto with Progressive. Gonna finally buy a ring for that gal of yours, Hugo? Send him my condolences. Hi-oh! This next one's for you, too. There's a burglar in my heart. Thank you. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Discounts not available in all states or situations.